Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The U.S. Market Update with Money FM 89.3. Good morning. Here's your look at how markets wrapped up overnight and we've got stocks higher. So that comes as we see the corporate earnings season continue and diving into the Dow Jones Industrial Average. That was up around 110 points, around 0.3% to close at 35,061. And that makes it a an eight-day winning streak. It's longest since 2019. And the S&P 500 also in the green, up 0.2% at 4,566. The Nasdaq Composite slightly above break-even by 0.03%, closing at 14,358. Let's dive into the analysis with Will McDonough. He is the founder and CEO at EMG Advisors. Will, thanks for joining us on the show. Good morning. Hey, lots of action these days. So let's get an overview first. It does look like we've got green on the screen, but just barely. What do you make of the latest session? I think what's happening in the United States markets right now, you know, it's the depths of summer. People are really waiting to see the inflation data flush through. You referenced the uh, data that came out of uh, the Great Britain today. You know, the U.S. investors are really tracking are the policies that have been put, put, put in place by the Fed working. And those policies, you know, they have a lag. You mentioned the uh, the weather in Singapore this morning. <laughs> when you adjust the temperature in your car, it takes a while for that to adjust. You know, it's not an immediate reaction. And so as these global feds, if you will, have adjusted interest rates, we have to wait a little while to see that data flow through before we can really know if it's working. And I think U.S. investors are in a little bit of a wait-and-see mode uh, paired with a summer you know, break. Yeah, we have to remember that the FOMC has hiked at least 10 times. And everyone's watching to see if the next meeting, next week, we'll see another one. So that's going to be up in the air. But banks have been in focus because they get impacted by rates. What's your take on how banks have been performing so far? It looks like, uh, by and large, they've been pretty okay, except for a few misses on the trading front. Yeah, well, we can't forget that just a short period ago, banks were failing. Um, And so what you're seeing in the banking infrastructure is the rich get richer, the well-capitalized banks are doing well, and they're surviving this high-rate environment where, you know, lending revenues are down. But, you know, we can't forget that just a short period of time ago, we lost some banks that completely had to shut down and be acquired by competitors because of how difficult the markets are. So among the surviving banks, they are pretty steady. But um, don't forget, we lost a few, you know, to the wind. So would you say the banking sector tomorrow is over now? It has it bottomed out in terms of the implications? It is definitely tied to the Fed uh, and their decision making. The businesses, the banks, you know, more broadly as businesses that have broad business lines uh, outside of just lending, uh, uh, which many of them do, have been able to show strength in other sectors within their own ecosystem. But, you know, you're definitely going to see as this inflation data starts to trickle through and as the U.S. uh, consumer pivots how much they're spending on a daily basis heading into the, you know, fall and and holiday season, uh, that's going to flow through to all investment products and that's going to, you know, potentially call for some duress in the banks. Yeah, well, give us a bit of color. What's the strength of the consumer like? Um, What are people talking about these days? Are they holding back from spending? Are they still buying houses? And that, of course, would trickle down to what banks will be seeing. 
Yes, the trickle down is strong. You know, um, when the uh, you know when we were coming out of COVID and, and there was stimulus being pushed into the market, new car purchases were up, new home purchases were up. People were home, not going to their offices, so they were spending money on home improvement. You know, all of those numbers were at massive, massive highs. And we call it the COVID pull forward because anyone that was going to buy a car for the you know 2020 to 2025, well, they bought it in 2021. Mm. Right. Anyone that was going to do a home improvement project in the next five years, they did it in 2021. So all of that uh, wasn't new business. It was actually just pulling forward future business. And so sadly, we're going to see a low in all of those markets in these next two, three, four years because a lot of that spending occurred in a big clump. Yeah, that's a very good point. Looks like perhaps there's some front loading playing out. And talking about buying cars, we've got results from Tesla coming through overnight. And it does look like a bit of a mixed bag. Revenue is up, but that was the expense of offering discounts, which means margins were down to a four-year low. So profits were down. What do you make of the competition right now? It does look like they are intensifying on the discount front and this could be the way to go. You know, I, I think that Tesla is not measuring themselves to the same metrics that Wall Street wants to measure traditional car companies. I think Tesla is making cars as fast as they can make them, regardless of how fast people are buying them. I think Tesla is innovating their energy storage systems, their solar, you know, and their services lines, mm. you know, for ancillary revenue opportunities. The, the biggest news that came out of uh, Tesla, I think, is in Q2 was that global OEMs, global car companies, basically capitulated and agreed that they're going to use Tesla charging. Mm, that's right. Which I equate to the, you know, it's the equivalent of, awarding Ford Motor Company in 1950 Shell Oil Company or, you know, convenience stores. The infrastructure that exists for recharging or refilling your car, let's just talk about in the American market, is massive. And, and we speculate that it could add up to $5 billion of annual revenue to Tesla as a business just by being, you know, the charging infrastructure that everybody uses that allows them to charge people for the charging. It allows them to Tesla to sell mm -hmm things to people while they are charging. And those are all new revenue businesses and, and services and other businesses that they can get from, you know, uh, Elon thinks that they're going to be the only solutions for taxi and Uber, you know, and, and all of those services providers. He thinks that they're going to just completely wipe the map of those folks and be the only solution because they're uh, self-driving technology. So these are all revenues that have nothing to do with car sales. Uh, which is why I think Tesla is just a generational company and an exciting one to track and, and one that I still think has a lot of upside. It's a very well-diversified business, with, with uh, and it is the market leader. We can't forget. Yep, some potential upside from Tesla, becoming a gold standard of sorts for charging. So exciting stuff to watch. And talk about what's playing out in the EV space. How would you approach it? Would you look at it from a picks and shovels approach? For example, looking at how you might need batteries and then you might want to go into copper. Is that the place to look at? Yeah, we focus, uh, our firm EMG Advisors, we have a, a New York Stock Exchange traded ETF called CHARGE, C-H-R-G. And uh, we do, what we do is we just go long lithium, nickel, copper, and cobalt futures under the thesis that, you know, global supply, and I don't, I, I don't have to make this up. Elon was quoted in the last few months as saying that for the world to go carbon neutral, they need 26 times as much lithium as they currently 26. have. 26. And so if, 
26 times, 2,600% more lithium than we currently have access to. And so where's all that coming from? Where's all the copper coming from? Every, all this charging infrastructure we're excited about, that's all demand for copper. All these batteries that we're putting under our hoods and replacing the oil and gas and combustion engines with, that's all demand for lithium and nickel and copper and cobalt. So where's all the, where are all those metals going to come from? You know, sadly, um, for global uh, investors, 58% of the processing power of those metals is in China. And so it becomes a geopolitical issue as well that everybody mm. has to kind of dance around and play nice for. Yeah, talking about geopolitics, AI has been right in the sense of it as well. Um, but latest news comes from Apple, which is launching Apple GPT. How are you approaching the AI space? Because that's also had a bit of run-up in some of the names. Yeah, it's very early innings in AI, and you know, uh, it, it's yet to be seen what the monetization model is for those capacities. Tesla themselves in their earnings call today talked about AI. It's just something that you know, especially tech companies uh, like Apple uh, is at the end of the day with their consumer products and their underlying technologies. They need to be in the game, and they need to have their own solution to that so that they're not beholden to their competitors you know, for that technology and, and that innovation. All right. We've been chatting with Will McDonough. He is the founder and CEO at EMG Advisors. Will, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Have a great day. You too. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.